Brothers and sisters. Sup, sluts. Welcome to the Missionary Podcast. I'm Sadie. I'm Maddie. And this is our mission. Hello. We are excited to share with you our very first interview. We invited a guest onto the pod to talk about their experience growing up gay and Mormon, serving an LDS mission, and attending BYU. We loved having a guest on and being able to learn from a new perspective, and we hope you enjoy. Well, here we are. Here we are. It's a new pod, and this time we have our guest, Humst is anonymous. Do we? So we've done, um, we've done fake names before. Maddie gave a fake name Ooh, to my uh... real boyfriend, so we can do that for you now. If you're interested in. And what, like, what do you want your fake name to be? I feel like you guys... I want my fake name to be bequeathed to me. I do not want to choose my okay. own fake name. Oh, I was okay. like, bequeathed? <laughs> what a name! I, uh, I wish to be christened mm. on this podcast Got right you. now. Okay. I don't want to make my okay. own choices. I okay. want to subject myself this to the will of others. Form. We're allowing the spirit to come. <laughs> Barney. Barney? Hey, I'll take it. Okay. So Barney's here. Is this too silly? Barney no, Schreiber I love CPA it. For all the thoroughly modern Millie fans out there. That I actually am. That's one of the first musicals I ever saw with someone we actually mutually know. So funny story. Nice, nice segue into your intro, which is you and I go way back. Way we've back. Got, we've got some Mormon family community ties. Um, I think I know... Well, you tell us about a little bit about your family. Oh, she's big. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's really offensive. Um, there are 11 children in the family, mm-hmm. which for listeners of the pod probably clues them into who I am. But for listeners of the pod who know Sadie, who are familiar with the Mormon community of our upbringing. But yeah. you know what? Where do you fall in the... Number nine. So I'm almost the baby. I'm basically the baby. I have a younger sister and a younger brother who passed away. But the thing is, when you have that many kids, even if you're the second to youngest, you might as well be the youngest. That's yeah, sure. how it works out. Yeah. So to give some context, since we do know each other, I'm going to fill in some of this story. Mm-hmm. Because your family is a big family, like you said, and your mom happens to be the seminary teacher for our community, which means, to break that down... She was at one point, yeah. Yeah. For many years. Many years. Which seminary is like the Bible scripture study that happens very early in the morning. So it's like Hebrew school. Yes. Well, did you do Hebrew school every day? Certainly not. You do seminary every day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh Come on. Well, you do Hebrew school every day if you're going to like... uh... You know, right, like yeshiva. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to Hebrew day school. Not like this the reform kids the... atheist oh, <laughs> I get so annoyed with progressive Mormons because... They're like, LGBTQIA Mormons are such a blessing for us. They're teaching us how to love better. They're teaching us how to be better. And I'm like, I'm not your fucking lesson. Go away. Yeah, okay, wait. I didn't know that that was a thing, that there was a progressive group of LDS people who felt that way. Yeah, well, it's not like an official institution. It's not like, for example, like a reform Judaism you know, it's not like some synagogue that's like with like some chic like female rabbi. It's yeah. not that. <laughs> it's literally just ball. like <laughs> I've been to those by the way, like for works up. It's, it's not Catherine Hahn playing Rabbi Raquel oh and Transparent. Literally so hot. Oh, so hot. We love her. Um, anyway, <laughs> okay, we're, so we're getting sidetracked. No, no, no this we're actually, not even. This very I'm... much all ties in to like what we've anyway. been talking about. It's interesting to think about the progressive Mormons because I feel like that's a relatively new thing. That's like in the last. Like five, since like gospel no, topics, uh, I would say like it's been emerging for twenty years. So how do how do? But especially in the last thirteen, like honestly, since Prop Eight, maybe. I would maybe. say I would say since around Prop Eight, and then Kate Kelly, what's her name? Yeah, I mean, there's been different like chapters. Chapters, oh, yeah. Because I'm like, um, I don't, I didn't grow up feeling like there were any progressives in our. Oh, board. see, and like. I, I guess I sort of did if only because 
I mean, not progressive maybe in the political sense, even though I was aware of like, oh, they're Mormon Democrats somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like any religion, any of the like reform, any of the people who identify as a reform are going to have more progressive beliefs. But I'm just curious how, especially in the church that it's so patriarchal, there's so much oppression. And I'm just wondering how you reconcile that if you consider yourself progressive. Yeah, I guess like the term progressive Mormon, that probably didn't emerge until the last 10 years. I don't know when that like started. I guess what I meant to say earlier is that there have been kind of like um, movements, currents of thought, certain attitudes uh, cropping up in certain corners of the church decades prior that led to this moment of the last, yeah, let's say 13 years since Prop 8 of like, progressive well let's get into like that but yeah it definitely has followed like broader social trends in our culture because people you know that aren't in utah for example are perceptive to the way that the broader attitudes are changing in their workplaces in their schools in their communities around and they're like oh yeah actually i see why people are like more on board with gay marriage Hmm. Oh yeah, I guess I am too. You mentioned earlier 2008 Prop 8 and the change that came about that. Yeah. And like, we both lived in California. Yeah. Did you experience Prop 8 on the East Coast? Yes. It was like repeal Prop 8 was like a huge thing culturally. Everyone was like very vocal about like repeal Prop 8. I mean, I also was in a very like liberal. Everyone was like, we love... LGBT. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Excuse and me, like, people were not saying LGBT back then. That, there were gays and lesbians. Nobody was talking about no, any wait. other letters in the acronym. I actually think they might have been. I'm trying to remember the Gay Straight Alliance, the GSA. We had these t shirts that the Gay Straight Alliance would sell, and they said, gay? Question mark. Fine by me, period. <laughs> <laughs> I still have mine. Wait, somewhere. you do? Wait. Yeah, I'm never oh, getting rid of that. Please pull that yeah. out. Fine by me. At you BYU, need to pull that out. Like right before I came out, or I guess in the early stages of my coming out, like the little gay group at BYU had these um, t-shirt that said, like the slogan was, I'm okay if you're gay, and I wish that I'd gotten one. Let's go chronologically. Okay. Not that 2008 was the beginning of your life, but we've identified it as a pivotal point in church culture, culture in general. Yeah. It even affected Newton Mass. It affected Newton Mass. So, My profile picture caption was repeal probably. Do you want, so oh, fun. God. And what's crazy and like fun that we're sitting and sharing a space is my family had a sign on our on our lawn that said yes on Prop 8. Wow. Same. Ours got stolen multiple times. Yeah. Because nice the, field wow. of that persecution but complex. To be fair to my parents, we were asked to do it. Yeah. The church at large wow. was... A- we were asked as Californians to do it. We were also asked to donate. Were you asked to... I was asked to donate as like a high schooler. I don't think that I personally, well, I mean, every sing, it seemed like every single week in church, like they were talking about it. It yeah. seemed like every week we would talk about Prop 8. There was not a Sunday that went by that it wasn't discussed. And at that point, where were you in your disco- self-discovery experience with, now you, you are out as gay yeah. and cis mm-hmm. and you go he, him. Yes. Okay. I'm like, I <laughs> love that I know. I'm not asking. I'm like, this is what I think. <laughs> um, okay. So Prop 8. So we're hearing this all the time. Where are you in your discovery of self? So I... And how are you hearing this? Um, it was hard. Um, I, like, definitely knew that I was gay, mm-hmm. but had not at all come to any point of acceptance of that reality. And I was uh, actively trying to change that that was my number one project in life number two project in life was like somehow i have to be on broadway someday um <laughs> well, i know so right cute. I mean, <laughs> number one don't be gay number two the lights on broadway yeah no no, no. yeah those were like the two <laughs> things that the i wanted most more incredible than thing anything. no but but, but so the number reasons. one thing was like not being gay which of course is tied up with like fulfilling like um the Mormon vision for what a good life is because it was like, don't be gay so that I can be married in the temple, have children, etc. And I'm like, 
This will be the secret that I carry with me for my whole life. Nobody will ever know. I'll get over this attraction to men, this like same gender attraction or whatever they called it at the time. They still do. I, I guess they do. I don't know. They don't um, say, for to clarify, they don't say gay or lesbian or bi. It's same gender attraction. Yeah. If I mean, sometimes they will say gay or lesbian or bi. Sometimes they will say homosexual. But... You, but it's rare. It's kind of like a big deal if they actually use those terms, or else it's like they're using them in a negative way. Like someone mm. struggling with same gender yeah. attraction, same sex attraction. So yeah. is that a way to like not label someone? Yeah, it's exactly. just like something that so they're experiencing. Something that they're experiencing, exactly. something that they're going through, something that they're working through, oh my... but not something that they are. Wait yeah. a minute. You just really pulled back the veil on some brainwashing that I didn't really. Like, I knew really? it was like not validating to the other titles, but mm-hmm. it is. You're right. The actual use of it is like it's not part of who you are. Yeah, it's it's something you're feeling, yeah. mm-hmm. and so you feel this sometimes, like anger. Yeah, yeah. which is how they yeah. say which it. It's is like, very wild because you're not supposed to be angry in the church either. Yeah, and anyway, and so that, but and so they. Frame you know it that, that leads way. to liver problems, folks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in Mormonism, it's okay to be tempted. It's okay to have an inclination to sin, uh, so long as you don't act on it mm-hmm. or uh if you do act on it then repent but don't act on it because you know repress yeah. it just repress yeah it yeah exactly and so like maybe you want to get angry sometimes but you should resist the temptation to get angry turn it off yeah like exactly. a light switch <laughs> yeah. um, anyone see book of mormon i have twice find the box that's gay and crush, crush it, it! Yeah. <laughs> jinx um or maybe you uh really want to drink alcohol yeah but you don't drink alcohol maybe you really want to suck a dick but you don't suck a dick it's Mm -hmm. not who you are it's just you're the attraction that you feel Mm -hmm. and um so long as you don't act on it you're fine that's like where the church was at that moment um prior to that it was like even the even the mere inclination even the mere desire was considered sinful and so you were like depraved and wicked and messed up even God, for really feeling that, up. which is essentially the message that I had internalized. Yeah. And like, even though I was kind of hearing of on the surface level, it was like, it's okay so long as you don't act on it. What really is underneath is like, no, you suck, you're terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Plus Absolutely. all of, you know, all of this other stuff, prior uh, stereotypes about like gay men being pedophiles or whatever else. I was like, yeah. Well, I don't think I'm a pedophile, but like I know that I'm attracted to men. So like, is it like this time bomb where eventually I'm just going to become like a child predator, and like? It's so sad. Yeah. Anyway, so like I it's like just like sad fear for like a sweet little man just know, listening to Thoroughly a, Modern Millie on repeat. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. Um, uh, sun tanning in the backyard, like belting along to Wicked. And yeah. Like, our Mormon next door neighbors were like, explain. <laughs> anyway, um, uh-huh. illustrations from my childhood. Um, no, but yeah, I was like, I had it in my mind that I was like this terrible, awful person. And even though I couldn't think of anything bad that I had done, except for like Google image, like, I don't know, medical drawings of men. Because I like <laughs> couldn't even bring myself to like totally. look up porn. Because like I knew that porn was bad, but I'm like, if it's educational, if it's like a textbook drawing, that's okay. I'm yeah, learning. That is so um, your family. It's I'm learning about something. Yeah, like you made it. You yeah, made yeah. it. That was the only way that I could you. frame it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I was like, I don't think I've done anything bad, but I know that deep down I'm a bad person because this is what mm. I've heard my whole life about. You know, people who are gay is that they're bad and dangerous, and so it was just like. Instead of having the inner strength to be like, oh, I wonder if those messages are wrong, because actually I think I'm okay, I believed that I was bad. I mean, And worse. felt like it was a ticking time bomb until I did something awful. It's... And I had these weird, I'm also like very, uh, you know, anxious and scrupulous and had these intrusive thoughts of like one day probably like going to jail for like doing who knows what. But I was also like, ooh, if I go to jail, then maybe I'll get to shower with other men at least, you know? <laughs> Um, you yeah. way to find the silver lining in that terrible anxious <laughs> yes, thought. That's you don't. I I just want to say it's like it's not necessarily inner strength that defines people who who think it's weird. It's very normal, and it's a lot of conditioning that went into well, course, that feeling. Yeah. It's not like just like you Completely. were too weak to believe something else. Well, I know. Sometimes it's I feel very like it's too weak though. No, it's very oh, no, intense. No, no, no. Yeah. Get that out of there. <laughs> yeah. Do, guess... do you know how powerful? 
Oh, of course, it's brainwashing is. Powerful. Yeah, I'm so, no. There's that a is lot, so... a lot of conditioning that goes into stuff like yeah, that. Of Not even just. I mean, around a bunch. I mean, the idea that you just said about like, if I do this and I'm going to go off in this crazy deep end, is applied to like caffeine, yeah. right? It's applied to anything. We have this idea of like, if you drink coffee, you might as well do heroin. This stuff it just like is stubborn. It just doesn't. It's really difficult so to process deep. and move past. And um, when I either see kids these days or hear about people um, my age or older who were able to get out kind of earlier, who as teenagers had a better sense of themselves and were able to be like, yeah, this Mormon thing's not for me. I'm going to go be a faggot. Um, <laughs> um, I feel jealousy that I, I don't know, I felt like I was white knuckling it my entire yeah, adolescence. And I was like keeping all the rules like well except for occasionally you know googling like medical drawings of male anatomy <laughs> but like in mormonism like you're not supposed to masturbate mm-hmm. and i literally wasn't masturbating um and i feel- which by the way if you've done that through high school you deserve like you deserve something well i deserve There's a, a s- time machine to go back and like reclaim my adolescent sexuality <laughs> yeah, it was like i uh like it was sure it was like a tremendous like exercise of self-control but like such a waste you know yeah. oh i'm and not I saying feel... because it's self-control i'm just oh, like yeah. you deserve oh i deserve a recognition of free, of free <laughs> yeah therapy. yeah boys who just like jerked off all, all throughout their teenage years and just like maybe they felt guilty about it maybe they didn't but at least they like enjoyed their bodies you know but i can imagine from what we've learned thus far about your family uh-huh. and your mom teaching the seminary is that right? Seminary. Yeah. Like, just, it sounds like your circumstances made it even harder. Like, I'm curious about... Yeah, there was, your... like, pressure to be, like, you totally. know, like, the good, like... And... and... To, we were, like, and supposed to be an exemplary family, exactly. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I, I am curious about your coming out journey, if you're, if you're comfortable sharing, yeah. especially mm-hmm. given what we just talked about, like, the status of your family and your mom yeah, yeah. and, like what that how you came to the decision to even come out what that the implications of that in the church yeah so let me attempt to be succinct which is not typically my strength (laughs) you tell long stories um it's high school i'm not out because i um, am aware enough of myself to know that i am gay even though i couldn't accept that and i was like gonna change this gonna be straight Every major choice that I made was leading to that. Did you date um, at this time? In high school? Yeah, were you dating? Like, I went to, once I was 16, I went to a couple yeah. of school dances. Um, with dates? Glow with in the dark dates, school yeah. Dances? Okay. Prior to that, I went stag. <laughs> um, I would, like, you know, go to homecoming, like, with a group, but the only one in the group without a date. Really awkward, like, not, like, riding the limo, like, getting <laughs> oh. a ride because the limos were expensive. I went to some dances with dates, with girls, um... Were you... There was one... I My only... But I never, like... It was never girls that I liked, that I had crushes on. When people were like, Barney, who do you have a crush on? Um, I'd always, like, say, like... Who would I say? Like, some popular girl who was, like, totally unattainable for me. Like, we can... Did you do that on purpose so that no one would expect you? I mean, I genuinely thought these girls were pretty fabulous. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah. So... Meanwhile, was fully in love with a straight boy, okay. not realizing that I was in love with a straight boy. Um, definitely had crushes on guys, but just didn't know how to acknowledge it. It was just like, oh, I just really want to be friends with them because I didn't really have many guy friends. And so I just felt like it was I was feeling some like yearning for like male camaraderie, which was true. I did like could have benefited from some guy friends, but also was fully in love with these guys. I'm sure every single person at the high school, if you'd asked them, they were like, Barney's gay. Um, <laughs> I knew that if I like actually were to connect in any sort of authentic way with my personality mm-hmm. and actually express myself um, with any degree of like uh, honesty, I guess, like it would just be so obvious. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so I didn't really have friends at all in high school. I had like some girls that I would sit with at lunch and I'd chime in in the conversation here and there, and that was like really nice of them to sit with me. But like, I, I almost never got like invited to do things on the weekends or after school. I pretty much like didn't really have friends um, because I was so shut down and quiet because mm-hmm. I was trying not to show that I was you were gay. Hiding yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, 
So Prop 8 happens, mm-hmm. and, like, um, everybody knew that I was gay, but and maybe I could have, like, gotten to the point where I could have, like, heard what they were saying and been like, oh, yeah, maybe I should interrogate that more instead of repressing it. But then Prop 8 happened, and we're going to church every week, and we're hearing about, like... Um, how bad gay people are and how if gay people get married it'll like destroy society yeah and um they're like sending us out to campaign for it and like putting like little campaign materials on people's porches mm-hmm. and we get the cops called on us at one point and and i get Who? put in a cop car so you were because you were picketing you were with a friend and you were picketing for a youth activity they had set all the young men up to go around different neighborhoods two by two missionary style uh to like put um little door hangers on people's doorknobs saying yes on eight and um so i was doing this with redacted and um (laughs) walking up and down uh redacted and somebody sees us and they this somebody from inside the house like yells at us like starts cussing us out and then they call the cops and then by the time we like get down to the bottom of the street the cops show up and they put us in the back of the cop car for uh yeah for distributing these like like door and hangers. so this is what i'm saying is if you go through that experience like that's normally like a faith builder for people because when you face adversity like that you double down mentally yeah. you're like i've been yeah. put in a cop car for this cause yeah. but when the cause is also against your potential a different type future, of future yeah. for you like i don't know yeah it's very complicated and then like then I'd be getting in arguments about Prop 8 at school with, um, you know, with my peers who were giving me all of these very convincing arguments against Prop 8, like why same-sex marriage should be okay. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, they're right. Yes. In my head, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't have valid arguments against this. This was my first faith, uh, like real faith Mm -hmm. problem was Prop 8 because I didn't have the script. And I feel like for so many hot topic Mormon issues, you were like, here's the script. This makes sense to me. I can tell you something when people would come and ask me like, so you actually think like gay people should not get married to each other. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't, I can't have this conversation. Like it was a lot of me being like, can we change the topic? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I actually don't know what to tell you. And like, I love the church and you should come and you should join. But like, Let's not talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so that like really kind of put a damper on any uh, gestures of coming out that I might have made at the time. Mm-hmm. You served a mission. I did. Did you yeah. come out before the mission? No, I did not. So yeah. Talk to me about the serving a mission as a gay man. Oh my God. Torture. Um, yeah, no, it was so hard. Because um, like I, the... Like, there are, there's, like, shows, and I think HBO had a show. There's a lot of porn and stories and <laughs> things that include, like, missionaries hooking up. Yeah, I know. It's I mean, so that's hot, my right? image of it. Like, like, everyone fucks. But I know that's not true. These, like, young hotties. Yeah, oh, but it's, only... like, birthright. Wait, okay, so to get into it, I did not come out in high school, and my mom sat me down one time, and she was like, Barney, are you again? I'm like, no, I'm not, I promise. And then I go off to BYU, and I'm, like, really trying to live my best straight life i drop out of the musical theater program because i'm like this is too gay i have to give up my dreams um i have to give up my dreams because my dreams are too gay if i want to be straight Um, so like i said like my second biggest dream was to be on broadway i'm like i can never do that you had to give up your top two dreams yeah, well, I gave up my I gave up my number two dream oh, in the service of number of one, number one. Being straight. I yeah. forgot that number yeah. one was to be straight, not to be gay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sorry. Yeah, so, and I switched over to biblical studies where I was studying Hebrew, living my best straight life at BYU. I was Which, like, I'm sorry. gonna become a religion professor because if my job is the scriptures, then I'll always be feeling the spirit, and if wow. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I can't be filled with a man's cum. Just to add context to this too. As Maddie and I have talked about before, at BYU, you can be kicked out of school for acting against the honor code. And yes. the honor code includes behavior choices and as well as like your spiritual standing. So it's, I mean, you can get kicked out for having any type of sex, whether yes. it's... Yes. If you're unmarried. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but if you're a straight person and you have sex and you like go crying to your bishop and you're like I shouldn't have done it I'm sorry they'll like let you stay but mm-hmm. if you're gay and you have sex they are more likely to kick you out you're less likely to get leniency 
Yeah. At least anecdotally, that's kind of the sense that I get. Mm-hmm. And my yeah, freshman year, yeah, there was a big gay witch hunt in the musical theater program, and all these gay guys got kicked out. That happened in the dance program when I was there. Yeah. All these dancers There's got always, kicked like, out. Witch hunts. Oh my god. Um, oh my god. I and, hate this. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, I go to BYU, and I immediately see people getting kicked out for being gay. Kicked um, out of school, by the way. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of these credits at BYU are extremely. They won't specialize transfer. and they don't transfer. And also it's like marked on your record that like you are were kicked out for an honor code violation, which most other universities will assume is like academic dishonesty like or cheating. plagiarism. Yeah. But that's not what it is. Like right. it's not because they were cheating. Wow. It's because they like made out with a boy. Yeah. Listen, I granted like I understand the the fact that this stuff was so deeply ingrained in everybody growing up. It's just makes me really mad yeah Mm -hmm. i mean think about just you are a gay person who's like hardworking, smart wonderful and it's like you had to use so much of your fucking energy for most of your life having to like reckon with this thing that should not have been an issue an issue And it's like, it's just, I mean, we all, I'm stating the obvious, but it just is so wrong. I, for the sake of our show going forward, think we need to like name this like Maddie Rage Corner or something like that. Yeah, I'm in my Rage Corner right now because I listen, I try, I also like obviously always want to respect the fact that this is not how I was raised and I understand like when you're, this stuff is being told to you and you're being like brainwashed you can say it louder (laughs) okay when you're being brainwashed by (laughs) an institution um that this stuff is so deep like it's you can't just fucking get rid of it even we i mean we all have deep-seated shame about stuff that was ingrained in us whether we grew up in the church or not it's just but and it's really hard to just fucking get rid of. But it's like, wow, think about how much more free and beautiful everyone's lives would be if we didn't teach people to feel shame. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I'm at BYU trying to be straight as hard as I can. Giving up all of my dreams, changing my major, literally to be straight. Um, I would go through this cycle where, like, I would repress, repress, repress. And then I would get really, de- then I would get really depressed because that's like the you know the normal emotional Repression response to that sort to of depression. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, honey. And when I was depressed, I would stop feeling any sort of like attraction for anybody at all, and I'd be like, oh, it worked! I'm not attracted to men anymore. And then I would be so happy because I thought I was straight that like the depression would lift a little bit, mm-hmm. and then my like so normal sexual libido. attraction would come back, and I'd be like, oh, I have a crush on a boy again. So it's this horrible cycle, and like each milestone in my life, this was like a cycle throughout my adolescence each church milestone I was like this will be the time that I'm finally straight Hmm. and each time it would be like oh just kidding the next milestone the the biggest milestone of course being like my mission so I go off on my mission and um when I was doing the interviews with the church leaders prior to going they like asked me straight up if I was gay or if I struggled with same-sex attraction and I said straight up no because I wasn't ready to say that yet Mm -hmm. but then I felt so guilty because I'm like I lied to the bishop and the stake president and by extension I lied to the prophets and apostles and by extension I lied to God and liars are thrust down to hell it says so in the bible it's such a vicious cycle yeah and so I spent 18 months of my mission three quarters of it feeling intense guilt over having um lied about this specific thing and i thought that the reason why i wasn't having any success as a missionary and why i was so unhappy and depressed was because i was being punished for this sin of of dishonesty um it was actually because missionary work is stupid and i was in (laughs) france and people in france don't give a shit about religion that's why anyway and I had a series of tough companions and again like I was in full like repression of my personality mode and so I was having a hard time connecting with them and thus like getting along so the companionship relationships were kind of strained because I mean it's difficult anyway to be around somebody 24 7 but especially when you're so 
disconnected from yourself. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And having so, to hide. Um, and then um, three quarters of the way through, I was like, I can't do this. I must confess my sin. So I come out to my mission president. How wow. did that go? Um, Which, by the way, like, RMs come back from their mission and are like, everyone's up the ass of their mission president. It's yeah. like, not to diminish that relationship but it is like everyone's like this man is like it's like jesus joseph smith my mission president yeah everyone's very attached there's a lot of status and emotion yeah everybody's convinced their mission president's going to be like the next apostle yeah yeah um so i tried for months and like couldn't work up the courage every time i saw him and then finally was just like i'm gonna write a letter so i like sent an email and then the next day he was like elder Elder barney um Um, why don't you take the train into Versailles tomorrow? (laughs) Let's have a chat. And I'm like, okay. And I was so scared. I was convinced I was going to be sent home. Because not that I'd done anything. I wasn't even, like, confessing to having, like, kissed boys. It was just like, I like boys. Um, Mm -hmm. and, That um, must have been really fucking scary. Anyway, so then he pulls me into this little side room in the church in Paris. And, like, says, so your letter was, like, quite something. So first we talked about, like my depression and then we talked about the gay shit and one of the first things he said was do you think you're a danger to your companions oh my god wow wow okay so wow um do we need to go back to the rage corner i'm i mean i'm living (laughs) I'm fully living in the rage corner, but I am on this journey with you. Please continue. But that was the first thing that he said. So, like, that was, like, the very first reaction to... Besides, like, people trying to cajole me out of the closet, like, the first first time I actually did disclose, that was the reaction that I was met with. Yeah. Um, However, despite that, it was a huge feeling of relief um, because I was, like, wasn't going to be sent home, so I could kind of let go of that, like, guilt of having lied i had like confessed would, the sin and repented or whatever would you have been sent home if you had acted on it yes okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh-huh and that's very public shame yeah 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 everybody that's like yeah, everybody that's knows. like a huge deal it's if, like one of the worst things that can happen to like a young woman man is like to be not be allowed to go on a mission or to be sent home early it's very would, public if a heterosexual couple or you know if someone had, if, yes yeah, yeah they would have been, been sent, sent home, home too, too? yeah they would have been yeah okay. um uh yeah they would have been um, this is also just an incubation period for the intensification of brainwashing. So everything yeah, we've to, talked like, about solidify before, loyalty and it solidifies a lot. Yeah. It also does kind of the traditional stuff we learn about in brainwashing where you strip away an identity, you strip away a name, you give a new name, you give a new uniform, a new present like way of being, yeah, way of presenting. And that, that type of... St- and there's a lot of struggle. You you're mm-hmm. disconnected from friends and family. It's the mm-hmm. typical like if you wanted to just if you wanted to start a cult, you do these things. Yeah. All those things are applied in a mission. And so what happens is a lot of reintegration from coming home from a mission is uncomfortable for people because they're like, sure. I had this purpose and identity and this stuff, yeah. and now I'm and I've also you also clearly have given two years of your youth, like prime years where people are very selfish and mm-hmm. taking like gap years and all that stuff. You have those two years that you dedicated to something that didn't even allow you to watch tv in those two years you couldn't fall you couldn't go online you couldn't whatever so what to email your family once a week but yes call them only twice a year yeah all to say like you come home from that experience usually more dedicated to the church than because it's all you know now well that that actually leads me to a question is that did you think that going on this mission would like make make you straight yeah that was like my primary motivation wow um i mean that subconsciously i guess because if you'd asked me at the time i would have said like oh it's because i have a testimony and i want to share the gospel which i think was like true at the time Mm -hmm. i think i did really believe and i think i was sincere in wanting to do that but if you really look at what was motivating me it was like gotta go on a mission because that's what people do. So the expectations in the community. And this is what's going to make me straight. I will demonstrate my faith. I will keep all of these absurd, crazy mission rules. I will be more obedient to these rules than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I'll really show God how dedicated I am. And this will make me straight. And so when I came out to my mission president, I framed it as like a past thing. 
Mm. Um, and I really, truly believed that in coming out, I was like, oh, this is like the final thing. I had to like admit it to be able to let it go. Yeah. And I was like, this is what's going to make me straight is like verbalizing it this one time mm-hmm. to this one person and no one else. And I did feel this tremendous sense of relief for having spoken it. Mm-hmm. And then the final six months of my mission were actually like, a lot more enjoyable and better for who knows what reasons but like had like a baptism shortly thereafter so i was like oh god is rewarding you, me for like having confessed my to clarify yeah. just for the listeners you baptized somebody into the church after correct yeah, yeah. Mor- uh-huh. the mormon phrasing of like i had a baptism is like oh yeah yeah you baptized somebody yeah multiple yeah. people after that after i confessed to my mission president got baptized and those numbers do go into like your valuation as a missionary yeah. culturally people uh-huh. go how many baptisms did you get and Whoa. you have statistics monthly how yeah. often is it well you report you report stats every week every week and then yeah. every six weeks and then yeah, yeah and the stats the big stats that people want to know are baptisms yeah. that's like how many baptisms mm-hmm. did you get so when you came out to the mission, mission president, president yeah. did other people on your mission know no I mean, okay. I think many of them also like assumed that I was gay. Okay. The way that people my whole life have been assuming. <laughs> Glass closet doors. Um. <laughs> oh my god, I've never heard That's that before. That's so great. Yeah, Glass you can see closet right through them. Door. That's um, incredible. You're inside, but <laughs> yeah, everybody can tell. That's yeah. amazing. Um, anyway, and so then I get home and I'm like, <gasps> returned with honor awesome like so like happy that i did the thing and um was like so sure that it had finally worked because i had done my part of the deal and so god of course was going to keep up his end of the deal and i was gonna be straight then i go up to utah and i genuinely thought that i had been made straight for a little while because it was winter time everybody's wearing puffer coats and has like um you know just you ain't seeing those dick lines exactly yeah no like nobody's looking cute everybody's just looking like frozen and miserable um wait those dick lines the cum gutters (laughs) oh my god yeah none of that so i'm like i'm not feeling attracted to men hooray Mm. my lifestyle at this time was very monk-like i would bike to work in the morning bike back to my brother's house where i was living in the basement apartment and like i'd like hang out with my nieces and nephews and then maybe watch like an episode of merlin (laughs) (laughs) then spring comes around and spring is a magical time in provo utah because the boys start the the shirts off (laughs) yeah and i get back into school for the first time since my mission and my very first class is a weight training class, which I was taking because I was like, I gotta Love get that buff. That is a college course, by yeah. the way. Yeah. There's like a physical education requirement among the generals. Um, and In college? Yeah. BYU is a special place. BYU is a special place. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was taking this weight training class because I'm like, I gotta get buff so that like these BYU girls will want to like date me so they can get married because it's like the next thing you're supposed to do and because I was heterosexual mm-hmm. uh, I had successfully become heterosexual <laughs> that was the gayest way anyone's ever said heterosexual um, it was time for me to you know start <laughs> dating and like get married and shit walk into class see all these guys in like athletic wear and I'm like oh fuck oh damn yeah okay and then like I uh quickly had all of my illusion shattered yeah. <laughs> that I had become wow. straight, yeah. wow. which launched me into this lovely little um, depression. <sighs> my last yeah. little phase of trying to pray the gay away before I was like, okay, this is not working. I mean, I don't believe in God or prayer, but I did feel like I received an answer at that time, which was that I needed to like stop praying for that. Mm-hmm. And I like kind of not heard a voice, but I did feel like it was a very like powerful response which was probably just my own subconscious like which is also a very powerful response yeah Yeah. exactly in fact there's no yeah this atheist over here would argue that that is actually god yeah yeah i'm sorry you guys no it's just i don't know it's funny because i haven't like talked about this stuff in a while and like when i first would talk about this stuff after coming out you know i still like believed and was religious to an extent so like it's funny telling these stories again after many years now that I'm in a very different place. So then I was just like, okay, well, my burden to bear. I can accept that this is not going to change. Wow. And instead of working towards changing it, I just have to learn to live with it. But still very much like planned to marry a woman and stay in the church. And anyway, and then I ended up coming out to my family that summer. Mm-hmm. So my mom came up to Utah one weekend and 
we go to lunch and we're having this long conversation and I could tell that she was beating around some bush. She circled and circled and as she got closer to it, I was like, oh, okay, here it comes. And then she straight up asked me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took like a breath and I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And then I wow. came out to her. I came out initially as bisexual and it was like, but don't worry, I'm still gonna stay in the church and marry a woman. Like that was my plan. Mm-hmm. And then I came out to the rest of my family shortly after that. And then a few friends, I started to slowly come out to like a handful of friends, mm-hmm. uh, many of whom like did not know how to handle. Anyway, and then that just like everything fell apart because the big miracle that I had been praying for my whole life hadn't come to pass. Or God did not. Well, yes, exactly. It's right. like you were led to. That yeah. voice led you to yeah. actually I mean, the, opening the, the door. The miracle, if you want to frame it as such, is that I was able to get to a point where I could start to accept myself a I little mean, bit more. I mean, acceptance is amazing. And let go of this paradigm. But at the time, what it felt like was, oh my God, I gave up all of my dreams. I made mm. every major decision. I planned out the rest of my life around this like central inevitability of God answering my prayers and making me straight Mm -hmm. God didn't do that everything crumbled like my whole worldview crumbled Um, my whole plan for the future crumbled everything fell apart and like everybody says like oh you come out and you it just immediately gets better and you feel better and I'm like no like my depression which was already bad got a hell of a lot worse after that because then you also have the added layer of like faith like what do you believe in lots of faith yeah which like my faith like died i think in that moment and i tried to rekindle it it was so funny like you learn to let go of one thing but then maybe you cling all the harder to like everything else and it Mm -hmm. took me a few years meaning you like clinged harder to the church i mean in some ways Mm -hmm. i let go of the idea that i was going to become straight and anyway and then in those subsequent months of like deep depression and trying to figure things out gave up on dating women because I was still trying to like date women but then I was like oh god like how do I ever like disclose that Mm -hmm. I am like attracted to men what woman would ever want me Mm -hmm. uh this is not working so I was like okay I guess I have to give up on like ever being with a woman hmm what if I try dating men can't have sex with them obviously but maybe I could like kiss a boy would that be okay and so I like had my first little tentative um, outings into like going on dates with boys in and Provo? kissing them. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so Which, how long did you hold on to that feeling of holding on until the church changed? Oh, I mean, I guess a year or two, maybe. Yeah. Whatever the tree of my like post coming out faith was starting to rot from the inside even by that time. So, um, yeah. so now, like, what's your relationship with the church now? Um, virtually non-existent yeah i mean i am constantly having to think about it because my family is still right. involved and how do they feel about your non-existent relationship with the church? uh it was really hard for my parents and some of my siblings when i first like i was like uh, i'm not yeah gonna do this um but coming out as like non-mormon or correct. coming out as yeah, gay correct. okay they because were all, coming out when as I gay, came out as gay, they were all quite supportive. Yeah. When I came out as like gay That's and nice. also kissing boys, they were mostly quite supportive. Mm-hmm. When I when it became clear that I had no interest in the church anymore, it was more difficult, and that like That's led really to some conflict because yeah. I was like, "You guys keep on having family prayer at family things, and this makes me feel deeply alienated, and like I'm not yeah. part of the family." Um, so that yeah that led to some conflict because i'm like i want our family culture to fundamentally shift yeah such that i can feel comfortable and a part of it and they were like but we still want to pray i am really curious Mm. about how one reconciles being the church being such a big part of your life while also supporting queerness like i don't understand and And this is no good answers why the church was trying to do things like that with the Mormons and Gays website that they put out and uh, changing their messaging a little bit, trying to have people hold on. Yeah, trying to like give us just a little bit of slack Mm -hmm. so that we would stay without actually changing in any meaningful way. Yeah. Uh, Frankly, and then, you know, it was quite abusive. Uh, Mm. The church is like an agent of abuse in our lives. And and if you look at the patterns of what the church does uh, towards women, towards gay people, 
it's like, you know, they reassure you. They're like, oh, there's a place for you. We love you. But then nothing changes. And then mm-hmm. they do something else shitty because, of course, they do. And then you're yeah. crushed. Yeah. It's and an abusive like, relationship. And then they realize, oh, we fucked up again in the sense of, like, upsetting people. Let's do more lip service to make them feel like there's a place. Yeah. And they yeah. do this over and over again, this cycle. It's do a cycle you remember? Of abuse and... You, yeah, it's awful. I guess you might have technically been a student at this time. Um, but do you remember when BYU had changed their stance on gay students in a sense of like they changed it? Okay, I can. Oh, I like can give last the, year in like February. Yes, yeah, I can I give the well. essence of it, but this is these aren't the details. But like they made some pronouncement that allowed gay students to exist in a certain way on campus. That was very exciting. It was kind of like you can be out, you can be proud, you can whatever. Like this doesn't affect your honor standing, which so much so that it made the community come out and celebrate. And so there were pride events. And then immediately after the pride events, almost like it looked like they were trying to get people to identify themselves as LGBTQ. Oh my God. They immediately said, sorry, no, no, no. We weren't trying to say that you can actually be gay in the church. Like there was an element of like, you can be gay and you can be yourself. She's in her rage corner. There was an immediate switch. Yeah. I mean, what that was, was they changed the language of the honor code and they took out the gay stuff, which people interpreted to mean, oh, they have loosened up the rules so gay students can date now. And as long as they're not having sex, they can date and like maybe kiss and stuff. Which um, is a huge win. And it's insane that that's a huge yeah, win. But, like, honestly, if you think about all the ways you can have pleasure and you're just sticking with kissing. Well, but love kissing. I was just going to say, as I said that, I know you're like the queen of Nickmo, this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, continue. But they had taken out that language in order to protect themselves legally from uh, like lawsuits, like discrimination lawsuits. However, they still had every intention of enforcing the rules as they had previously been expressed. And so they still planned to kick gay students out for kissing or fucking. Um, They just took the language out so that they could cover their asses. But we need to make an all-gay college for all of the people that get kicked out of BYU. That would I love that. I'd go like there. an HBCU, except a historically gay Mormon gay college. Mormon. What, would it, what would it be called? I don't know. BYQ. BYQ. Um, Brilliant. Oh my Genius. Gosh. We're doing it. Uh, if you would like to invest in, in BYQ, BYQ, wait, Venmo. I love the idea of BYQ. Okay, I also really want to ask a. Um, get sealed to take space take space from dry hump. dry hump to barney okay so this is fuck mary kill but it's get sealed to take space from oh sorry get, get sealed, sealed to dry, dry hump, hump take space, space from. from okay and i think we should do musicals and i brilliant <laughs> okay brilliant. okay so guys there's too many to choose from we've got wicked we've got Les Mis. Les Mis. Because, you know, we want it to be hard for him because of the whole French thing. You know yes, what I'm yes, 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 yes. Um, Les Mis. We know he's got an attachment to Wicked, so who knows how he's going to choose this. Les Mis. I mean, if we do... Hamilton? Is that lame? Or, no. Spring Awakening. Spring Awakening. Okay. Oh there it is. The Masties musical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's the one that, that Maddie first masturbated to was that soundtrack. <gasps> we already talked Touch about that. Touch me, you will. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, yeah, totally. Um, it's literally so hot. I, was, I, I really love it. Okay, so wicked spring awakening. Oh, Lame is. Um, okay, if you had said Hamilton, that would have been easy to take space. Because you were just going like, to take space from that. Yeah. I knew that's why when I said it, I was like, I know he'd take space from that. Um, get sealed to. That's <laughs> like Sophie's. I choice. guess Lame is because. Um, <gasps> It is, no, I'd be taking space from Les Mis. The, the, well, it's the longest one, so there's like <laughs> you don't get bored of it as much because there's like different parts to explore. Oh, it's a lot of texture. That and is detail. the most nerd, like musical theater nerd thing to say. Is like the, your favorite one is the longest one. Well, I mean, it's like if you're thinking about a marriage. I know. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Long haul. <laughs> is, is an intellectual. That's fair. Uh, he's not foremost. He's like, not going on gut feelings. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you have to be like kind of calculating with a marriage, and it's yes, like fair. You know, fair. Um, I mean. Obviously, I'm tempted to say... Were you dry humping? 
dry humping. I wish I feel like I should say dry humping um, Spring Awakening because it's, it's the so dry sexy. hump musical. Yeah, but you're um, dry humping Wicked. But I'm gonna dry hump Wicked because uh, the cast recording is better. <laughs> like the engineering on the cast recording is. Like, you're kidding. I mean, come on. That's no. amazing. The amazing. engineering. Yeah. Yeah. Also, no, it sounds amazing. better. We're talking about a cast. I mean. I know, but the Spring yeah. Awakening music. I know. Well, it's is good. so. I know it's really good, good and it's sexy. I know. Listen, um, I'm not trying to shame you. Space from it. Let him. I am, he's free. I gotta take I space from Spring Awakening. Sorry, um, Maddie. What would you do? do you have? A I mean, Les Mis is out of there. I'm sorry, but I'm taking space from Les Mis. I am getting sealed to Wicked, and I'm dry humping Spring Awakening. That's, I mean, cool. I get it. I get it. But. So for me, since I've never actually seen or listened to all of Spring Awakening. Then we will change that shortly. What it's going to be is I'm probably going to get sealed to Wicked. Mm-hmm. Probably going to dry hump Wicked. And then I'm going to take space from the other two. <laughs> we love. Les can suck my dick. Honestly, we love Les freedom Miz. here. That's funny. We make our Les Mis can, can get on a train going nowhere. Because it, it is can just get miserable. Away from me. It is Les Miserable. We've taken so many turns, so many ups yeah, yeah, and downs. Yeah. We've okay. gone wide. We've gone narrow. We've gone up. We've gone down. I've said some words that made no sense. Barney said some words that were really eloquent. So, um, on that note, <laughs> on that note, Barney, thank you so much yeah, for sharing thank you. all of your Appreciate it. journeys with us. Truly, I'm touching my chest in a <laughs> deferential gesture of of respect this, and admiration. You are a character, and we might have to have you back just to well, experience this oh, again. Oh yeah, with I know. pleasure. We've to hear like you say deferential gesture. All right. Um, well, I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. So refreshments will be served in the cultural hall. May they nourish and strengthen our body yaddy yaddies. Yes! <laughs> now go touch yourselves. Yeah. The Missionary Podcast is hosted by Sadie Blasucci and Madeline Sharton. And produced by Shannon Egan. Original music by Madeline Sharton. Please like, follow, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Missionary Podcast or visit our website, missionarypodcast.org. That's right, we're an org.